last week, um, we started a series entitled, Get Out of Your Box. And this morning we're going to look at truth from a, a powerful account that involves Jesus that speaks to the boxes that we all have, very real boxes. And there are boxes this morning that, that as we think about what our box looks like, something that we're sensitive about, something that we're really reluctant to address in our life, I believe. Uh, just had the conversations that I, I've had with people all throughout ministry. This particular area is an area that the people really don't like to talk about too much or really examine and go deep inside of their hearts to think about. And it is the box that we all have that's different and unique in terms of what it's made of and the shapes and size that it is for all of us, and it is the box called lack of faith. Again, immediately, no, finger that everybody has one. Different size and shape for everybody. And the truth that, that Jesus, that God brings this morning out of His Word and this, this account is really powerful. And I hope that as we get into His Word that you'll get into your box to look around, to see what's there, to see what it's made out of, to see how small or how big it is, what it looks like. So that you'll be able to identify very clearly and in very specific ways what your box looks like. And as you hear truth from God, um, that you'll start to peek outside of it to continue to move and walk towards Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters in Christ, open up your hearts to this truth of God as it comes to us from Matthew 14. We're going to read verses 22 to 31. We hear the powerful living Word of God. Immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of Him to the other side while He dismissed the crowd. After He dismissed them, He went up on a mountainside by Himself to pray. When evening came, He was there alone. But the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. During the fourth night of the watch, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. And Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me! Immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? When they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. And those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. This is the Word of God. Might it be written in our hearts and lived in our life. 
this is a really powerful account. I think just like other times when we read about incredible miracles, sometimes we skip over things. And I want to take a minute, I want to set the stage for you in terms of, of what's happening here, because the stage was set for a great faith lesson. There's some great um, factors to consider in verses 22 to 24, but I want to back up even before that, because I want to go to the reason why the crowds were there in the first place. And, and if you have an you know, electronic device or you're following along in your Bibles, you'll read in verses 13 to 21 about another miracle, and that was the feeding of the thousands. And we refer to it in this particular text, the feeding of the 5,000, but there's many more people than that that got fed. There was 5,000 men, and then there were women and children. Who knows how many? A huge, huge group. But here's the deal. Jesus, at the start of that account, went off and prayed by himself. That's just a really consistent, important part to know, even about this account. Why did he do that? Well, even before that, he had just heard about the gruesome death of John the Baptist. John had been um, killed and beheaded. Terrible thing. So Jesus hears about that. And isn't this true? When you hear about the death of a loved one and it's something that's tragic, you just, it's just hard to process. It's tough. It's difficult. It was for Jesus. He loved John the Baptist. And so he goes off, he withdraws, it says, by boat. Why was that? Because the crowds were so great all of the time. They were pressing it around him all of the time. He couldn't get away on land, so he just withdrew by boat, left. And what did he do? He went and prayed, collected, gathered himself, spent time by himself as best he could in the boat to process, to grieve, to mourn, also to ready himself for what was ahead. An incredible miracle. I don't know if you've ever, when you faced a big moment and spiritually, or you know that it's coming, that you, you take time to pray about it and prepare yourself. I hope so. That's what Jesus did. He knew it was going to be an incredible opportunity with all of the people there to teach them something about the power of God. And so he goes away, he prays, he gets ready, and then he comes back. The, the people crowd around him. He has compassion. He starts healing people. And then it gets late, we read in that text. And this is an important moment in verse 16 of chapter 14. Because the disciples come to him and they say, Jesus, it's, it's getting late. Would you please send the people away so they can eat. I wonder about their motivation sometimes in that account. You know, maybe they were getting hungry. I don't know. You know, it's getting late. Their stomach's starting to ground. They go, man, I really wish the master would be done. We want to chow down. Maybe that's what's happening. Maybe they just saw that indeed... Um, they had compassion like Jesus did for the people, and they wanted them to, to really to eat, to have that need met. Maybe they were concerned about Jesus. Jesus had been, they knew what he had heard. They knew it was a tough day for him. He'd been busy doing all of these healings, and they just had genuine concern for him. I don't really know what was motivating him, but they say that to him. Jesus, send him away so they can get something to eat. And then he says these words in verse 16. This is powerful, and it relates to our account that we just read. He says this. They don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. So, whoa, think about that for a minute. They don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. 
I just imagine them all like huddling up really fast, like, oh my goodness, what are we going to do? They, you know, they got this disciple huddle going. They scour the crowd they come up with. We read from other accounts, five loaves, two fishes. They bring them to Jesus and say, this is all we got. So Jesus performs the miracle. So, so a lesson of faith right then and there for those disciples. Just picture that if you were there. You saw the five loaves. You saw the two fishes. You saw Jesus feed thousands and thousands and thousands. Incredible miracle. You think that would impact you? You're not going to break any rules if you raise your hand. You think it would impact you if you saw that miracle, if you were a follower of Jesus in that moment? Okay, some of you, yeah, it's really hard to impress you. Jesus performed an incredible miracle. And so then when it's all done, we, we get to where we're at, verse 22. It's time for the crowds to leave. Jesus had did his work. He'd honored and glorified God. An incredible miracle. And so it's time for the, the crowd to leave. And then we read these words. Immediately Jesus made, this is verse 22, right where we started, made the disciples get into the boat. Did you catch that? They didn't go willingly. He made them go. Why is that? Again, I, I think genuine concern for Jesus. It's getting late. It's almost dark. Again, he had a long day. And who wants to leave somebody alone? They're, they're out away from the towns that's already been established. And so when somebody says, hey, I'll be all right, you go ahead and go on, and, and there's a whole group of you, you don't want to leave somebody alone, do you? So they didn't. He had to and genuinely urge them to get into the boat and go. And it's also that they're getting into the boat and they're going. Their destination was across the lake. It wasn't lost on them, that fact, and so they're kind of scratching their head. Well, if we leave, how are you? You know, what's the deal? But they had a sense maybe what Jesus was going to do, so they, they get in the boat, and the implication is they try to stay close to shore somewhat, but the winds pick up. And physically, they can't. The boat starts, we read, the, the winds buffeted against it, and it starts to push away from shore. And then it gets late. Dark. We read in verse 25 these words. During the fourth watch of the night, that's after 3 o'clock in the morning. So it's very early in the morning. You know, could be anywhere from anywhere from the, the fourth watch to the fifth watch. But so somewhere between 3 and 6. So think about the day they've had. And at this point, I want you to get in the boat with the disciples. Can you do that? So you, you've been in the boat. You left Jesus. You didn't want to do it. You're out in the water. You can't stay close to shore. You're trying, but you can't. The wind keeps pushing you out. The wind picks up. It's stormy. It's windy. You're fearing for Jesus. You're wondering what happened. I mean, we're talking hours and hours now. After the fourth watch of the night, before it was dark, you can start to do the math. That says something, by the way, about how our Lord and Savior prayed. There's a great lesson for us there. He didn't lift up a couple of those popcorn prayers or spend a few minutes. He prayed, and he prayed, and he prayed. Because he knew how important, again, the lesson that was about to unfold would be, and he needed God's power. So he prays and he prays and prays. They're fearful for Jesus. Then it gets dark. That just adds another layer to things, doesn't it? 
in terms of fear sometimes. And then the wind picks up. There's probably water splashing into the boat. It's really rocky. And then what happens? We read this. Jesus went out to them walking on the lake, and here it is. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. They thought it was a ghost, and they cried out in fear. You ever been there? Are you in the boat now with them? All of the things that they had working in their heart and in their mind, all of the things that were happening caused them to be afraid. And I want to submit to you that if you were in the boat with them, you would probably be full of fear as well. I don't think it's a moment that any of us, if we were speaking honestly, we wouldn't have some degree of fear in. And they certainly were. You can add to that the the piece about exhaustion, however you want to say that. But all of the things combined together created this, this moment when fear overtook them. They're in the boat again, dark, everything's rocking, there's water going on, are you there? And then they see the shadowy figure coming across the water towards them. Remember, this this is nothing they'd ever seen before. Have you ever been in a moment that you've never been before? I think we can all say that. And this figure's walking towards them and they're freaking out. Just like we probably would be. What is it? It's a ghost. It's got to be. What's the deal? Filled with fear. And then Jesus speaks. There's something I want you to note as we go through this story, and that's proximity. See, when Jesus first started, have you ever seen that? Have you ever been at night or something like that? Maybe any of you camp or something? Anyway, and somebody starts walking towards you. They don't got a flash search, and you just see this figure and you're trying to make out who it is, and you maybe wouldn't say something to them, but they can't hear because they're too far away, that kind of thing. Proximity. Jesus is far away. He's walking towards them, and then he speaks. And he says this. Listen to these words. He's addressing full front what's going on in that boat. He says, Take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. Now he calls it out to them addresses their fears head on it's i i'm jesus there's no don't be afraid i'm here what what i want you to catch too in that as he's saying that is he's close enough now for them to hear peter hears him he responds they all heard him some might have been a little harder of hearing like me but they heard him they heard jesus speak I want you to think about, just pause a second and think about your box. Did you you identify what your box looks like? Think about it just right now. So here's a question I have for you. As you think about your fears and you think about the things that you deal with and what makes your box, where you have areas of lack of faith, and, and I'm not suggesting anything, I just want you to answer this question, think about it. Is Jesus close enough for you to hear? Right now, we have all kinds of voices, don't we, going all over the place. It's always true. 
And isn't this true when we're in the midst of a hard moment? We're wondering, we're yearning, we're straining to hear the voice of Jesus, aren't we? And so one question that we have to ask ourselves is, is he close enough in our lives for us to even hear? If he spoke, would we, would we hear him, let alone know that it's him? I think that's a great question to ask yourself. If I'm in my box, if I'm in my boat, can I hear Jesus speak to me in the midst of a storm? So, he gets close enough, he speaks, and Peter hears him. This is a, this is a, a profound thing. Just the first words, if, if you see it there in verse, in verse 28. He says this, Lord, if it's you. Think about that for a minute. Lord, if it's you. So at at one level, that's kind of a ridiculous thing for him to say, don't you think? You can be honest about it. I thought it was as I read it. He he heard Jesus' voice. He knew Jesus' voice. Lord, if it's you. He's already at one level identified or assented to the fact that it's Jesus, but he's Maybe he's genuinely wondering, Lord, is it you? Heard the voice. And here's the other thing. Who else would it be? Have you ever thought about that? I mean, yeah, maybe he thought it was the ghost. I don't know. But at this point in Peter's life, you know, there are not too many people he knows that can do that kind of thing. But Jesus can. And so he asks the question, Lord, if it's you. I'm kind of having a little bit of fun with Peter, but I really, this is an incredible moment for him. And by the way, nobody else asked, did they? Just Peter. Lord, if it's you, he says this, tell me to come out to you on the water. What a statement. Peter, the brash, impetuous one, does it again. I don't know if he thought through what he was saying. He'd never walked on water before. It's windy, it's a storm, waves. If it's you, tell me to come out on the water. Wow. I, I, I want to tell you, if you're in that boat and you hear those words, what are you thinking about Peter? You are nuts. Right? You, you finally lost it, Peter. You went over the edge. You're, you want him to... Holy cow. You might even throw the word in there, something like the height of stupidity. I don't know. I really believe that's how they're bringing... And, and now things are starting to get centered for him in the boat. I want you to think about this in terms of displaying faith and what that means for people around you. So, so people are they're listening to Peter. Maybe they're still seeing the waves and the stuff like that, but they're hearing what Peter's saying. They're going, holy cow, you got to be kidding me. What's wrong with him? Again, lost his mind. But the tension is shifting off of the water and the waves. And then and then this happens. What does Jesus say? I want you to think about this in terms of your box. And, and, and the challenges that you give to, to Jesus Christ and to God and the living of life. We all do it. You think about what Peter said. 
Would that have been a big thing? Of course. Was it a big thing for Peter to walk on water? You be the judge of that. Again, if you're not impressed by it, you know, holy cow. And yet all of the time, sometimes we ask God for big things. We issue challenges to God that are big. We do it. Our world does it. And there's something to be learned in this, right? Is it okay to ask God to do big things? Of course. Why? Because he's a big God. He's a God of the impossible. He can do all things. Do you believe that? So Peter says that, and then here's the deal. Here's what you have to be ready for. What does Jesus say? One word. Come. Lord, if it's you, tell me to get out of this boat. Come. Pause for a second. Again, think about your box. If you're going to ask Jesus to do something, you better be prepared for his response. Jesus meets a challenge with a challenge. And he says, I am who I say I am. Come and let me prove it to you. Come, get out of the boat. Get out of your box. You can go through all accounts in Scripture. Whatever you would consider to be a great miracle. A moment when somebody displayed an incredible amount of faith. And if you, you want their names, you want to know who they are, just go to Hebrews 11. Start reading the names. Each one of them had the same challenge. There needed to be a response to what it is that they were asking God to do first. I am who I say I am. I think God said that to the Israelites, right? I am. Come, and I'll prove to you just who I am. See, we kind of twist it around sometimes. God says, I want you to believe who I am. Come. And for Peter, that was no small task even getting out of the boat. This is a big sea boat. It's not a little flat-bottom riverboat. It took considerable effort. So he's climbing out of the boat. He's displaying guts and courage and fortitude and faith. And at this moment, I'm thinking about the other people in the boat. See, I don't know who you can relate to in this story. Whenever we hear stories or accounts, it's good to relate... I think I'm more like that person, or I'm this person, or whatever. It helps us to recognize the challenge in the truth. So they're all there in the boat. Peter's climbing out of the boat. And do you not think for a moment that they are transfixed? They're just laser riveted on what he's doing. They're watching Peter get out of the boat. I don't think they're thinking about the winds and the wind in the way. They're just like they heard the words. They hear what Jesus says. They swing their heads to Peter. Peter's there. He climbs out of the boat. They're all paying attention. 
And then we read these words. This is so powerful because we tend to think about the sink. But what happens next? Peter got down on the boat, and then you read the words, walked on the water and came towards Jesus. Wow. I don't know how far Jesus was from the boat. He was close enough to be heard, but he still was a distance. Why? Because Peter had to walk towards him. Again, think about this. If you were in that boat, what would you be thinking? I mean, it's one thing for Jesus to walk on water, right? And when you're in that boat, you you have an understanding of who Jesus is. You're a disciple. But then when Peter gets out of the boat and he starts to walk on water too, I want to submit to you, if you were in that boat, your mind is blown. You are in complete awe. And all of the fears and everything that you had and the thoughts about Peter's stupidity are replaced with awe and you're just a wow. Don't you think that would be true? We do, okay, coffee, we can't do it now, but yeah, it's incredible. So profound. And then it happens. This is what I want you to... There's a lot of things to think about in this passage, but, but look at these words. He gets he, out of the boat. He, he starts walking towards Jesus, but then verse 30, what does it say happens? But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cries out to Jesus, Lord, save me. What happened? Maybe the same thing that's happened to you and me a few times. We're at a place where we're displaying faith, incredible faith. And then something happens. We start to look around. When it says, so just think practically, when it says that that he saw the wind, so he's seeing the wind and the waves, what else happened? Yeah. He stopped looking at Jesus. I want to submit to you when he gets out of the boat and he's walking towards Jesus, he's looking, he's focused on Jesus, I fix. And then all of a sudden he realizes, holy cow, what's happening? He looks and he sees the waves and he sees the wind. Again, fear shoves faith aside and he starts to sink. I went to a, a leadership conference um, very early on in my ministry. I listened to a guy named Max Dupree, who was the founder of Prince Corporation, great follower of Jesus Christ. And he said these words, nothing sinks, this is, I'm not making this up, nothing sinks great leaders faster than fear. Peter sees the waves. His eyes are off Jesus now. He starts to sink. He cries out. There's something else that I want you to pick up in this text because what happens next? We read this. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. Immediately. What does that mean? It means that Peter was really close to Jesus. It doesn't say Jesus skipped across the waves and grabbed his arm. Immediately, Jesus grabbed his arm. 
There's a little bit of consolation in there for us at times, right? Because we can have great faith and we can still doubt. We read about that all the way through Scripture as well. We can be super close to Jesus and still have those doubts and those worries and those fears. That's what happened to Peter. He was really close. And, and, and yet, he was close. He displayed great faith walking towards Jesus. And I love what happens next. What Jesus says. And in this moment, we maybe can mistake what, what Jesus says, kind of get the wrong understanding of what actually is happening. Because I want to submit to you, he's not chastising Peter. He's not upset with him. He's not angry. He says this, you of little faith, why did you doubt? I think there's a mix of grace and truth in there. He displays love. He's that close. He doesn't let him sink and say, oh, too bad, you didn't believe. He grabs him, he pulls him up, and I just see in this moment, and again, everybody in the boat, I can assure you, is staring at that encounter. He grabs him, and I just picture their eyes locked in, and Jesus says, you almost had it. Why? Why didn't you just finish it? Why did you doubt at that? You were right there. Peter, come on. You could have did it. You got out of the boat. Nobody else did. You displayed great faith. You walked towards me. You were right there, Peter. Oh. Intense encouragement. Are you connecting dots personally? If you were in this story, what would Jesus be saying to you? Would you be in the boat or would you be on the water? You can be honest. And it's important to note, too, um, that Jesus, I, I, I don't think he's criticizing and, and chastising Peter in that moment, and he never says anything to those in the boat, by the way. See, so it doesn't matter where we're at. The encouragement is to get out of your box, to get out of your boat. To let God reveal himself in terms of who he is in our hearts and in our lives. And be astounded. And John Ortberg wrote a, a book by that title. If you want to walk on water, you have to get out of the boat. It's that simple, that truth. It's a profound statement and a great truth. Jesus displays grace but he speaks with truth. Peter hears him and listens. They walk together, again, walked back to the boat, so they were a distance away from the boat. Peter just didn't stay next to the boat and kind of like do one of these deals. He had walked towards Jesus. Jesus grabs him. They walk back together. 
They get into the boat. And then what happens? When they climbed into the boat, the wind ceased. See, if it wasn't enough for them to already realize what had happened, everything stops. It doesn't say that anything was said, perhaps, in terms of Jesus to them. Again, He doesn't chastise. He doesn't rebuke. I don't even think He stares them down. But here's the thing. Remember I talked about proximity? Jesus is in the boat with them in this moment, and all is well. There's nothing to be afraid of. And what do they do? They, they recognize that and they praise God. They worship God right in, in the moment. Truly, you are the Son of God. They're filled with praise. We have the presence of the Holy Spirit, the living God, inside of us. And if you're thinking about your box, whatever that might look like, I, I want to encourage you to always remember that. The waves might get high. Things might get roughed. Maybe you're wondering about things as you leave the week, whatever it might be. I don't know, again, what boxes you have, what they're made out of, but God is alive. He's in your heart and in your life. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, praise and worship the Lord. Know who He is. He'll still the waters. He'll care for you. He'll protect you. He'll be your strength. It's a powerful moment. So, a question. Who would like, I'm going to back up, think about your box. Who would like to have the faith to get out of their box, whatever that means? I'm staring you down more than Jesus did. Then just listen to what he says to you. Want to get out of your box? Hear him say, come. Will you pray with me? Gracious Heavenly Father, I give you praise. I give you thanks. You're an incredible God. Your truth is so powerful and so real to life. Lord, we all have real fears. You don't criticize us for it. You don't rebuke us. You don't ridicule us. You just meet us where we're at. And you stand outside of our box and you say, come on, you can do it. I'm waiting. I'm here. And I am who I say I am. Let me prove it to you. I want to see you walk on water. to do things that you never thought were possible. Because I am the God of the impossible. And that's who I want to be to you. I want to show you things about yourself. I want to empower you and equip you to do things and to be who you never dreamed or thought that you could be. Simply because I am who I am. Come.
us to hear those words and to live them, Lord Jesus. In your precious name we pray. Amen.